Welcome to the Weather Channel podcast. I'm Kate Parker. I'm a meteorologist for weather.com and the Weather Channel app. And joining me today, I have John Erdman, who's our senior digital meteorologist, and Bob Henson, who's also one of our digital meteorologists and writes for the Cat 6 blog on Weather Underground. And boy, do we have some interesting things to dive into. What does your June look like? I know a lot of you are still going to be stuck at home. We're not going to be having a lot of, still a lot of social distancing, not a lot of things happening, not a lot of opportunities to do anything other than perhaps enjoy the weather. So will we be able to enjoy it? What did the temperatures look like? What are we expecting for June? So that is a big thing that we're looking forward to. um, And we're going to talk about that. But first, we need to talk about this global climate report for April of this year. It was just released from the National Centers for Environmental Information. That's a part of NOAA. And it has some really interesting tidbits that we want to dive into. And I I mean, right off the bat, um, John, Bob, it's great to talk to you guys again. But the thing that really caught my eye here was January to April, once once again, very warm, second ranking uh, for warmest across the world. For that time period. Yeah, so NOAA's uh, database goes back to 1880, and they found that, again, April is, in 2020, was the second warmest in their entire database, that only 2016 was just a touch bit warmer. And if you look at a, a map of uh, that NOAA has in their report uh, that shows the departures from average, so it's just dominated once again by by darker red colors, you know, that show warmer than average temperatures in most places, uh, with the exception of parts of Canada and the United States. So, you know, there's there's certainly a perception there uh, that April certainly was cold, certainly in parts of the U.S. and Canada. But, boy, it, overall, though, it's been quite warm and record warm in some spots. There are some real hot spots around the globe, um, uh, in particular eastern China, Mongolia, uh, where you have some pretty dry terrain that can really heat up when conditions are right. Um, uh, there was actually a report of 110 degrees in eastern China before the end of April, which is a ridiculously warm. You know, we're talking about uh, latitudes uh, further north than most of the U.S., you know, essentially southern Canada. So uh, pretty astounding. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's the one that's the one anomaly that just sticks out on the map is uh, northern and central Asia, uh, as you mentioned. And then to contrast that, we have parts of the United States and Canada that were much cooler than average, not record cold for April, but much cooler than average. Uh, so it, it's it's quite a dichotomy. If you're if you're in Canada or in parts of the U.S., you're saying, well, <laughs> we haven't really had much of a spring yet. Seems a bit uh, bizarre to be talking about one of the warmest warmest Aprils on record for the planet. Bob, do you happen to know some other areas of the globe that were were quite warm in April? Well, there was a fair amount of warmth in Europe, um, and certainly the uh, Gulf of Mexico has been roasting uh, the last mm-hmm. few weeks. Uh, uh, there were a lot of uh, all-time records in March along the Gulf Coast, uh, not only the U.S. Gulf Coast, but all the way to the Caribbean and Mexico. And again, a lot of heat uh, in a- April. Uh, a number of stations in Cuba had not only the hottest they've ever been in April, but the hottest they've ever been, period. So all-time record highs. Uh, and South Florida certainly had another um, ridiculously hot April. And all that heat, you know, it, that we are, we're talking a lot about land here, but this report also accounts for ocean temperatures, which obviously is important. We have a lot more oceans than we have land on this planet. And those have been very warm aside from, you know, our couple of pockets that we typically see with these cool spots. And um, the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean 
in particular, just hotspots which have to have contributed to all that heat that we saw, like you were talking about in Cuba and in South Florida. Oh, oh yeah. Once you, you get waters to that point, uh, you know, the, the, uh, there's all the interactivity. You get a warm atmosphere that heats up the water and then that heat stays in the water. The water is sort of like a memory source for temperature. And because it takes so much energy to, to cool and heat the water, uh, when that happens, those, those um, de- departures from average tend to stick around and we sure seen that in, in the Miami areas in particular, uh, just day after day after day of uh, near record heat. A little bit of relief in the last first few days of May. But uh, yeah, it's, it's up, to, up to then. It's been ridiculously warm. This is actually something that like I, my husband and I talk a lot about because he um, one of his hobbies is really is taking all the raw data um, and running it through programs that he writes to kind of like okay, what, what's happening? What, you know, with the Gulf of Mexico and some other things. I mean, he's a hurricane guy, but he, you know, it's not just hurricanes that he's looking at there. And the anomaly in the Gulf of Mexico has been tremendous. The temperature anomaly, meaning that the departure from average and John, I saw that you just tweeted about that also, because that was in this report. Yeah. These, uh, these monthly reports by NOAA have a lot of information in them, uh, shedding a lot of perspective, not just saying the planet's been warm and it's been this warm, but, you know, just going into the details like that. And I think one of the most shocking things about this report is that the Gulf of Mexico they found was just over three degrees Fahrenheit above average for April. Okay. Well, so what? But in in smoothing temperatures over a month's time, over a relatively large area, that is a huge temperature anomaly for a month. And they found that that was the single biggest temperature, monthly temperature anomaly in their entire database going back to 1910. So when we say the Gulf of Mexico is, is, is really warm, uh, we can put a bunch of exclamation points at the end of it. Now, that doesn't necessarily play into hurricane season most of the time when we're talking earlier in the year. But here we are getting closer. And we I mean, we do have some uh, tropical development that we're watching. And um, we know that a lot of the storms whenever we're early in the season or late in the season are homegrown. They're they're a lot closer. We're not looking off the coast of Africa right now. We're looking in those Gulf waters. We're looking right close to shore in the Atlantic in these places. Um, so it, you know, if this was January, we'd say, okay, not really um, a correlation there with tropical development. But now that this heat hasn't let up and has continued into the Gulf and we're inching toward hurricane season, um, I do wonder if that's going to impact some of our homegrown storms this year. Yeah, I would say that's yeah, definitely a concern and a possibility, um, especially uh, toward um, the Bahamas. Um, Gulf of Mexico, throughout that area, it's still quite warm and, you know, for the time of year. And now those temperatures are getting to where uh, they're above in many places. The uh, threshold, which uh, is generally considered to be about 79 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And when surface waters are at that level or above, then it's, you know, on average, when you look across the globe at hurricanes year in, year out, it tends to be warm enough to support an incipient tropical cyclone. So so if those waters get up to about 80 or warmer, uh, that's a, a real landmark we look for. And and that's starting to happen now, So uh, which makes sense. You know, we're, we're just a couple of weeks out from hurricane season. So. Speaking of June 1st, 
which is just right around the corner. Uh, we have a outlook from the weather company on what our June could look like in the United States as far as temperatures go. And I think a lot of people are spending, at least I know in my neighborhood, of course, I live in uh, Atlanta and we have been tremendously blessed with a beautiful spring. I mean, it's been chamber of commerce weather every day, except for today it's cloudy. But I digress. <laughs> the um, It's been just stunning. And everybody has been outside because they're so sick of being cooped up indoors. So I have not looked at this weather company outlook for June yet. So you guys, I need the forecast. What's the deal for June? What can I expect? Well, Kate, uh, I'll gladly represent the itchy for spring a part of the country from the Great Lakes to the Northeast. Uh, you know, it's, as we're recording this, you know, we're just coming off a Mother's Day weekend that smashed all sorts of May record lows um, in parts of the Ohio Valley in the Northeast. There was, there was some places that had over a foot of snow. Uh, so, you know, if once the temperatures actually, you know, get well above 60, you know, people are just itching to get outside. And so we have some good news for June. Uh, generally speaking, uh, we don't expect any areas to be significantly colder than an average June. So that's 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 good news right there. Probably the best chance of warmer than average temperatures in June, according to our outlook, is generally if you if you divide the divide the lower 48 states east and west roughly in half, it's the western half of the country that has the best chance of seeing a hotter June, hotter than average June than say the eastern half of the country. So the question then becomes how much memory does June have uh, regarding to what happened, say, in earlier May? Will there be any blocking high pressure up near Greenland that may keep parts of the Northeast, at least New England, uh, a little bit chillier if through at least the early part of June? That remains to be some unquestioned. But uh, in general, we're optimistic, at least for the western half of the country, it still looks warm. Uh, the southeast still looks warmer than average. Uh, the Great Lakes and Northeast will probably be about near average when we look at the whole month. And, and just to key off what you were saying, John, the the Western U.S. Uh, tends to hit its hottest summertime temperatures a little bit before the Eastern U.S. Uh, because of the drier terrain, uh, you don't have as much of the buffering effect of the nearby uh, Gulf and Atlantic. So uh, often the the hottest uh, stretches of summer heat will be in as soon as late June, early July. So. The fact that we're calling for temperatures to be uh, most above average in the West means it could actually be pretty darn hot uh, uh, all the way to the central and northern Rockies and the high plains. So I expect there will be some days in June with pretty strong contrast between, uh, you know, maybe 80s, 90s, even a few hundreds uh, um, toward Denver, Salt Lake City, Boise and there. And maybe still some some days with 70s and 80s uh, into the upper Midwest. Uh, there's still a lot of water in the ground, as as you know all too well, John, uh, in the Midwest. <laughs> and it's gonna it's gonna take time to draw all that water from the last year to two years uh, out of the soil. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, we uh, <laughs> we've had two of the wettest years on record in in parts of the upper Midwest uh, in 2018 and 2019. I guess if there's some good news there uh, is that it's it's recently been drier in parts of the upper Midwest. You know, there has been some drying out. In fact, if you look at soil temperature, uh, soil anomalies, I should say, soil moisture anomalies uh, over the last, you know, over the last few weeks, it's gotten it's gotten a little bit drier than average in, say, parts of Iowa and Nebraska, which is a big change from a year ago. Um, so sometimes it's how much soil is in the, as you mentioned, sometimes how much soil moisture is in the ground has some effect on how hot the temperatures can get in the summer. If it's more moist, uh, 
then it's maybe a bit more humid, but not quite as hot. So we'll have to see if uh, that can still manage to keep parts of the uh, nation's uh, nation's breadbasket a little bit, not quite as hot as, uh, say, the West or maybe even the East. It'd be nice to not go from 50s and 60s to 90s and 100s in one fell swoop, I would think. I, I can imagine that, you know, both of you guys have had some really cold weather lately, snow far later in the season than you should, Bob. And I can imagine oh, that yeah. you're, you're aching for the spring that we've had in Atlanta. Uh, it's been like pulling teeth just to get up to 80 in uh, in the Denver Boulder area where I live. And, um, you know, it's not unheard of to get snow in May, but we had several days that were quite wintry feeling. Um, uh, even just a few days ago, uh, it was, you know, 37 degrees and raining at, at noon and quite dank and dark. Um, so really uh, odd weather for mid-May. And uh, yeah, I'm ready for some 80s. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay, well, thank you guys for guiding me through that outlook and also for going over that um, global climate report that we have for the month of April. And, you know, we know that that ended two weeks ago, but it takes some time to compile all that information. And of course, all this, if you want to learn more about this outlook, you can go to weather.com and you can see all the maps and hear all the explanations and get a better idea if we didn't talk about your specific area. And it's on the Weather Channel app as well. Super easy to find under videos. We hope that you check those out. Until next time, thanks for joining us.